We looked at Jeremiah 17 and it told us about three trees. The first tree over here um, is what we're naturally like. The heat comes along. Heat is anything in life. It could be um, something difficult that happens uh, or just someone new in your life or someone annoys you on the road or anything. And, but it's anything that provokes a reaction. We, we do stuff, react, speak, do, act, feel, because things happen to us. Maybe things we like or things we don't like, whatever. So the heat comes along, we react, at, naturally as sinners we react in ungodly ways, with, with bad fruit, with thorns. But then we, sh- we saw that the Bible helps us trace deeper down into our hearts. It's not what goes into you that makes you unclean, it's what comes out of you, because in the heart is all, are all these attitudes, these desires, these things we think and feel and value. That's our heart. And naturally, we don't think, feel, believe rightly about God. That's our main problem. There's a self-confidence, there's a, a view of the world that is out of whack, that doesn't have God in it, that doesn't trust God. And so stuff happens to us and our hearts react in all sorts of ways and we put out bad fruit. But then the second tree is the good tree, which bears good fruit. Same heat, same problem, can be exactly the same situation. But for this person rooted in God, trusting in God, with a heart that has the right perspective, that believes, thinks, feels increasingly Christ-like things, produces good fruit because we speak and we do and we act out of the heart. And so when our heart is transformed, like you saw last week in Ezekiel, God promises to give us a new heart in Christ. We change. Same situation, but we act differently this time. How does this come about? The grace of Christ. The third tree, the cross. Which represents to us everything that flows to us from Christ. How do we get from being here to here through Christ? Through his saving work, his forgiving, justifying, making us right with God work on the cross. But also, remember week one, he died and he rose so that we would have a new life. The grace to fuel change. How does Christ do this? Through the power of the Holy Spirit that is now at work in us and through the word which transforms our minds and our thinking. It fills our minds with truth when before there were lies. And there's, there are arrows under here. We, we ran out of space. So those are the three trees. Now I want to clear up a, a bit of confusion from last week. Are we as Christians this tree or this tree? This is where it can be tricky because we're reading about the, the kind of ch- cursed tree and the blessed tree, the one that doesn't trust in God and the one that doesn't trust in God. And there's a sense in which Christians we say, well, we're this tree, right? Because of what Christ has done for us, we're now people who trust in God. We, Ezekiel, have new hearts. We have been given new hearts. We are fundamentally changed. Week one, we are new. And yet we find ourselves behaving a lot like this. So there are two ways you can look at this, and it's, it's the same with the whole new creation, old creation thing. Um, in one sense, this is a Christian, and this is a non-Christian. This is someone who has trusted in Christ, had their hearts changed, and is producing good fruit. And this is someone who does not love God, and does not know him, and so continues to produce bad fruit. 
So you can view it in a kind of binary way, and that's true, biblically. But on the other hand, even when we've trusted in Christ, there's some catching up to do. There's a process of transformation, a process, as it were, of becoming what we are. You are this tree in Christ. You are new creation in Christ. You do have a new heart. And at the same time, while we wait for heaven, there's this process of slowly becoming less and less what we used to be, but it's still hanging on. And through the grace of Christ being transformed to become what we are, what we one day fully will be. So it is a binary reality already and at the same time there experientially it's a process of increased transformation okay and what we're focusing on is that process of transformation of becoming what we already are through the grace of christ so that's a little summary from last week and over the next few weeks we're going to be focusing in on different parts of this to try and understand it a bit better all right let's pray Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of clarity and a God of truth and that you want to help us understand ourselves and our hearts and what it means to be human, what it means to be sinful and also what it means to be changed. We praise you because of your grace for us in Christ. Thank you for that third tree and I pray that that be right before our eyes tonight. That despite what we're like, we are forgiven, we are accepted, we are in Christ, new creations tonight. No matter what has happened between focus last week and focus tonight, we are your children. We are no less loved because of what Jesus did for us. And thank you that there is still hope for change. There is still hope to take steps forward. So please help us tonight to understand how to change more and more so that we individually can change, but also please, Lord, so we can help each other. And I pray that there'll be a lot of that tonight as we pray together at the end of the study and talk and share that we will be able to help each other understand our hearts and help each other love obedience to Christ more. Thank you for the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word that is right in front of us. Amen. I wonder if you've ever found yourself shouting at the TV, okay? You're watching um, one of your favourite dramas and the hero, your favourite character, is just being stupid. And they're, they're... they're walking into a situation and they're doing something again and you're like, don't do it. I've shouted at the TV. Maybe you're more of an internal shouter. It's so annoying. Now, I want you to imagine, yourself, imagine watching yourself on TV. Aren't there times where if you watched your life on TV, you would shout at yourself, don't do it. <laughs> you know, you see yourself walking into the same situation. You're like, that person's bad for you, don't do it. Or you, you, know, you, you see the same thought process or the same action, the same, it's like, Phil, you've been in this situation before and you just want to shout at yourself. Tonight I want to think about why we do the things we do and why do we do the things that we know we shouldn't do but we still do them and we've done them before and we don't want to do them anymore but we still keep doing them. What's wrong with us? Why does that happen? And how can we change? How can we go from being suckered in again and again to being this tree? Doing things that we know are wrong. How can we go from seeing sin for what it is, and instead of just still going for it, being transformed to see obedience for what it is and loving it, and being different this time around? How can that process happen? Well, tonight we need to focus on this. 
the heart. There's a, there's a phrase that, that um, you may have heard taught um, that the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. That's a really helpful phrase. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. When we talk about the heart, and the students did a bit of this on Sunday, so you remember this. Um, in the Bible, when it talks about the heart, it doesn't just mean emotions versus thinking, that kind of thing. It's actually a very holistic thing, the heart. It's the part of us that thinks and feels and desires and chooses and leads to our actions. So when we're talking about the heart, we're not just talking about how we feel in a fluffy kind of way. It's that very deep driving seat of our lives. And we saw last week that the root of our behavior is the heart. The root of sinful behavior is a sinful heart. And the root of, of obedience is a transformed heart that comes through Christ. So this week we're going to zoom in and look at the heart and how God transforms it. And the book of Proverbs is one of the best places to go to think about the heart. So I'd like you to turn there to Proverbs chapter 9, page 642. If you do like a Bible gateway search for the word heart, it's like Proverbs, 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 Proverbs. It talks a lot about the heart. And actually the chapter we're about to look at doesn't mention the word heart. But the one you're going to look at in your study does. But the whole idea of the heart and desires and choosing is, is all over this chapter, okay? Proverbs chapter 9, page 642. Let me read. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She's prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever cor corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly, um, like foolishness, is an unruly woman. She's simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Okay, Proverbs 9 is essentially about these two women, the choice between these two women, um, wisdom and folly. We'll call them Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. You see... Uh, 9.1, wisdom has built her house, there she is. And then in verse 13, you get folly, an unruly woman. And wisdom or folly um, are the same as obedience, Christ-likeness, and sin. Okay, Following God's ways, not following God's ways. But here's an image I want to give you to remember them by, and some of you have heard me talk about this before. Uh, wisdom, folly, obedience, sin, cake or death. Okay? That's the choice here. Cake or death. Proverbs 9 puts before us these two characters. 
And they embody this choice before us. Wisdom, folly, Christ-likeness, sin, cake or death. And you'll, you'll have noticed that these women call out. They, they, they invite us to choose their way of living. So you see it in verse 3. Um, Cake, wisdom, righteousness. Verse 3. She sent out her servant. She calls from the highest point of the city. Let all the simple come to my house. And you get the same in verse 15, but with folly. Um, she calls out to those who pass by. Let all who are simple come to my house. They're calling out. This is the way you want to live. This is the good life. They're both calling out the same thing. And that just really makes sense of life because we go through life every day faced with choices about how we're going to respond to the heat. How are we going to respond? It's like we've got these two voices calling out to us. So you're cycling down one of those super highways in London and someone cuts across you. Heat. And then you've got two voices calling out to you. One says... Be patient. Don't get angry. Doesn't really matter. Choose patience. Be like Christ. The other voice calls out, Ah, London drivers! I don't know why I sound like a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but there's, there's, there's that desire in you in that moment to say something, assert yourself, shout. They shouldn't do that. You had right of way. You've got those two things competing. Now, that first voice you hear is the voice of Lady Wisdom. As a believer, you're in the Bible and you're you're hearing that. So let's have a look a little bit more closely at her. Verse 2, she, uh, verse 1, sorry, she's built a house, which uh, represents your life, seven pillars. It's a well-constructed, perfect house. She knows what she's doing. But I want you to see how she appeals to our hearts. She gets us to want obedience look at the imagery in verse five come eat my food drink the wine i have mixed leave your simple ways and you will live walk in the way of insight she's saying look here is a feast like an all-you-can-eat meal you know you walk past like a chinese all-you-can-eat meal it looks so warm and happy inside And you see all of that food steaming. And he's like, oh, I want it. That's what she's saying. But she's laying out obedience. Living God's way. Look, it's a feast. Come and eat. Obedience is delicious. The way I'm offering you is good. Don't you want to come in and live God's way? Don't you want to live in Christ-likeness? And then she spreads the word, verse 4. She's like, she calls out and she, she sends people out in verse 3, her servants, and she goes to the highest point of the city. She calls out, let those who are simple come to my house. Now that's not flattering because that's us. <laughs> We're the people with no sense and who are simple because we don't know how to live. You know, we person cuts you up. You know, how, do you, how do I respond? We're actually quite confused about what to do? We've got these two voices. We don't know. We don't choose rightly. And Lady Wisdom goes, Look, are you baffled by life? By ethics? By, by sexuality? Are you, are, you, are you tempted to indulge in sin? Are your emotions out of control? Do you find yourself just feeling like, I actually just don't really know what I'm doing in life? She says, well, I'm here. Here's obedience. It's tasty. Come and have cake. 
It's good. You've all got cake on your tables. Visual imagery. Eat it. It's good. And so what this is doing is appealing to our hearts, saying to our hearts, don't you want to be like Jesus? Can't you see that it's a really good way, like having a big all-you-can-eat Chinese? That's cake. Wisdom. Obedience. Second lady, second choice. Death. Folly. Verse 13. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. So what are your first impressions of her? You've not got on a speed dial for like, being your life coach, have you? She's unruly. She lacks discipline. She's, um, Lady Wisdom built that perfect house, do you remember? Seven pillars, beautiful. Um, and she, but she just doesn't know what she's doing. Basically, she's, she's as useless as we are. And so you've got the offer of cake, and then you've got the unruly woman. So why would we listen to her? Why would we listen to disobedience, to her way, when she's so clearly bad for us. Verse 14. She sits at the door of her house on a a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. Same thing. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Verse 17 is the key. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Why would you eat her food? Why would we listen to, the, to our hearts, to, to that voice of disobedience? Because it tastes so good. Stolen water is bad. You shouldn't steal. But it's sweet. It tastes better for having been stolen. Food eaten in secret, the the idea of doing something you know you shouldn't be doing, but no one sees, you know that feels good. There's a thrill in doing what is wrong. There's a thrill in living my way, acting on my impulses. Some sins literally make your heart race. Do you not think Eve felt a thrill as she took the fruit? It was pleasing to the eye and looked delicious to eat. But she knew it was poison. Can it be wrong if it feels so right? But then in verse 18, we get what's going on really behind it all. Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. So the reality is that living our own way will lead to misery for ourselves. It'll lead to misery for those around us and it'll lead us away from God, death. And you know that. That those moments of greatest thrill are when you do what you want, but they're also the moments you tend to regret the most for the rest of your life. You wanted to do it more than anything, and afterwards you feel worse than you've ever felt. And that's sin. It just destroys. It breaks trust. It destroys relationships. It damages others. It hurts us. It hurts our families. It wrecks friendships and communities. It's death. And living, if we, if we pursue lives against Jesus, that will lead us away from him, which is ultimate death. So we've got before us cake or death. 
live God's way in God's world and, and enjoy pleasing him and it'll go well for you and it'll be living life how it's meant to be lived, cake, or live life following way where you've got no idea what you're doing, no idea what's best and bring pain to you and everyone around you and lead you away from God. Death. Cake, death. Wisdom, folly. Easy choice. And we choose death every time. Our hearts choose death. Would you like cake or death? Hmm, death please. Would you like God's way, living for him, or a way that lacks understanding and leads to destruction? Hmm, second one. Let me give you a silly example. When I was about hmm, nine, some of you heard me say this before, uh, I electrocuted myself deliberately by sticking my finger in a lamp. If you take out the bulb, you can see. I, I wanted to know what it felt like. It's not very nice. Anyway, I did it again a couple of years later because I was like, I've forgotten what it felt like. <laughs> it still hurt. But we're like that with sin, aren't we? I do something, it burns me, and then I do it again. So what leads us to choose sin over and over again instead of cake? Our hearts. We, we enjoy going against God. Stolen water is sweet. Think about anger as an example. Okay, let's try and imagine this in your life. None of us like anger. Anger's bad. We agreed on that? Yes, anger is bad. But then, you kind of really like it. You know, in that moment where you're just venting your anger, you feel so vindicated. There's a kind of a rush. You, know, you, you want to get angry. You want to tell them what you think of them. Your sinful heart loves being angry, as well as you realizing that it's awful. What about thinking about ourselves? Is self-centeredness bad? Is self-centeredness basically one of the, the main problems in the world? Yes, we can all see that. But we love being in the center of everything. We love thinking about ourselves. It makes us feel significant. It satisfies our desire to be important. We love thinking about ourselves, even though we know it's totally destructive. We do things that pose a threat to our relationship with God. When Snow White took the apple, at least she didn't know that it was poisoned. But we take the apple and we know it's poisoned. That's what we're like. So when you find yourself watching yourself on TV, as it were, you're thinking, why did I do that again? I hate this. I hate this addiction. I hate this pattern of thinking. I, why, why did I say that again? Why, why do I keep sinning this way? You do it because you enjoy it. Because you desire it. And also, we do it because we don't realize how bad it is. You know, verse 18, talking about the realm of the dead. <laughs> death. You know how we show that we don't think it's cake or death? We don't think it's death. We talk about our sins as slipping up and having little sins. I slipped up again. Verse 18 says, slipping up, little sins, it's death. So do you see why the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart? We do what we do because of what we love, what we value, what we think will give us greatest pleasure, satisfaction, what we think will make us complete. And the good news is that Christ 
changes our hearts by his power, by his spirit to give us, this is now what we need, new loves, new desires, new things that we value, Christ things. What we need is to see Christ-likeness as attractive as an all-you-can-eat Chinese meal, as cake, as beauty, as life. And as we begin to want it, we'll choose it. So, I want to give you two takeaways, but it just taps into the whole food thing. Two, two things uh, to think about, and you'll develop this more in your studies. Okay, two things to do in response to this. Oh, look, I had points on the screen. There Okay, first thing to do is listen to your heart. Second thing to do is stop listening to your heart. Okay? Listen to your heart. How fast is your heart beating right now? You've no idea. Because you've got to stop, be quiet, listen, put your finger on your pulse. And you need to do that with your, with your heart. Stop. Listen. What's going on? When I sin, what is going on in my heart? You need to think about that. Why am I choosing death instead of cake? What is it about this sin that I find attractive? I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. What do I think this attitude or behavior or lifestyle, what do I think that this will give me? What does this action tell me about what I really value in life? What I think matters? Ask this question to feel your pulse. What is going on in terms of my relationship with God when I choose this sin? What am I saying about him? Do I, do I want him and his ways? What, am I saying that he is unable to satisfy me, unable to tell me what's right? Do I really believe that obedience to him is better or do I actually think that my sin is better? Take your pulse. Listen to yourself. And that's part of the process of how Christ-likeness comes. We've got to work really hard at knowing ourselves and knowing our hearts well. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of reading the Bible, because the Bible goes, that's what's going on. The Bible's like a mirror. It just shows us ourselves. That's what church is for. We can help each other. Ask each other the, question, the kind of questions I just listed got a friend who's struggling with sin and they come to talk to you say I'm, I'm struggling with this you say okay let's let's think about it in the moment what's going on what are you thinking what do you think that sin will give you where's god in your mind Th- those kind of questions listen to your heart and then stop listening to your heart we need to listen to our hearts to understand what's going on but then we need to stop listening to the desires of our sinful hearts which naturally say hey stolen water is sweet death is cake really You've got to stop listening to yourself. (laughs) We need the third tree. We need to start listening to Christ. We need to start listening to his wisdom, his truth in his word. And empowered by the Spirit, as we stop listening to our sinful selves and start listening to Christ, our hearts change. We begin to want something better. So Christ-likeness has at its root new desires, new values, a new feast that captures your heart, being like Jesus. So you're going to spend some more time in Proverbs. Proverbs is beautiful and rich and vivid in the imagery it uses. Tonight, let it 
Let those images capture your heart, make you see sin for what it is, make you see Christ-likeness for its beauty and life-givingness. So let's pray and then listen more to God's word and wisdom. Heavenly Father, when we think about ourselves and what we're like, I guess I feel really stupid in the way we keep electrocuting ourselves, keep doing what we know is displeases you and hurts us and others. And we're sorry. We're really sorry. We are so helpless. We praise you for the grace of Christ power of the spirit that you have redeemed us and set us free so that we are not doomed to that repetition anymore but you have given us hope thank you for forgiving us for choosing death instead of the life of obedience thank you for your forgiveness thank you thank you thank you for your grace tonight thank you that you can change us Oh, open our eyes, open the eyes of our hearts to see you, to see your beauty, to see that you are better, that you are good, that obedience to you is life. It is how we were made to live. It's good for us. It's good for people around us. It is, it is, it is supremely pleasing to you. And I pray that tonight even, but especially in those moments where we're really struggling, your spirit would win the battle for our hearts and we would desire you. Thank you that you can do that in us, and you promise to, in Jesus' name. Amen.